Welcome to Of Dust and Divinity, a place where we ask big questions of small things as we gather around the table with makers, thinkers, and doers. So grab your favorite drink, pull up a chair, and join us. And now, here are your hosts, Caben Kramer and Chris Quant. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, You're catching us right in the middle of a really juicy conversation where Chris and I are really just kind of unpacking some childhood trauma, what it was like to grow up in the evangelical church, and how we're processing the world now that maybe we're moving a little bit beyond it, but maybe we're still in it a little bit. Um, So welcome to this conversation. If you haven't caught the first half, I really encourage you go back, get that there's some really good stuff in there that we're unpacking. You know, in this episode, we're really exploring some deep questions of uh, what it means to find freedom. And growing up in the church, uh, this might be meaningful to you. Is is freedom exclusive to the church? Is freedom exclusive to be found in Christ? Is it only found in Christ in the church? Um, how deep do these nesting dolls go? Let's unpack that a little bit. And then now here we are as people finding freedom in other places. What does that look like? Can we still call ourselves Christian if we find freedom in other places besides the church. So welcome to the second half of this conversation. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, excited to dive in, Cabe, and thanks for setting that up because really, and even around the concept of even daring to ask questions, because that can be such a stigma. If it's in, you know, we're talking specifically about Christianity, but any thought or tradition that you've grown up in, if you dare to ask questions about it and say, uh, you know what, maybe I want to explore this a little bit more, that can be such a, a, a sensitive thing, right? Because what if that starts to unravel things and then everything that I believe so far, that just all comes unhinged. So uh, I've been really appreciating this. Basically, welcome to Cabin and Chris's therapy session. Thanks for listening <laughs> in as we as we kind of work through our own stuff and our own dogma. I just let's let's quit talking and let's start talking and just jump right in. What do you say, Cabin? Let's do it. So, so one of the things that is kind of cool about that, but you also think like. Wait, are they going to are they going to take those steps like let's just talk about language, you know, just being free for freedom's sake. Like, ooh, I feel like I'm free about that. So I'm just going to throw the F bomb wherever I go, right? Like like the guy that I went to college with. It was just an adjective. It's just how he completed sentences, right? And <laughs> as this coming out of 12 years of Christian school going into a secular college, I'm like, oh, my ears are bleeding, right? And then after a while I'm just like, yeah, I got used to it. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's just that's just who he is. Yep. Okay, fine right? Like whatever it is. So looking for freedom and do we, okay, do we not overdo it? Do we you know, restrict ourselves too much? But if it's not found, where is it found, right? If yeah. not in the traditional church. Yeah. Well, because that, and that's, isn't that what we were taught though, right? That freedom is found inside the church and, right. and it's, it's addressed as saying you find freedom in Christ, right? Cause that's the Bible verse. But all of the all of the tangible expressions of interpreting what it means to be found in Christ centered around getting you into the building or program of the church, right? Yeah. So daily devotionals, weekly Bible studies, youth groups, summer camps, is all the things, right? So we were raised in the evangelical church that freedom is found inside the church. Well, now this whole conversation we've just been having is saying, actually, there's a lot of freedom outside the church. Mm. Right. And, and so, well, what does that mean? How can, how can there be freedom? How can there be Christ? How can there be exploration and discovery and truth seeking and integrity and honor 
outside the church, right? And mm-hmm. and let's just let's just lay the groundwork really clearly, at least where I'm at right now. Like people who have never stepped into a Christian church find a lot of freedom, right? Muslims find a lot of freedom, right? It just so happens that you and I are both straight white evangelical males, right? So Check. so we're we're speaking from a very particular point of view. But freedom is found in all walks of life and all forms of faith. So there's no again, this is something I was taught that freedom is exclusive to Christians. Mm. It is not. I would argue that most Christians are not free. Most Christians are trapped in a very tiny prison. And if they got out of it, they would be thanking God left and right. Mm. Um, Because that's also part of my story, right? Um, So there there is just freedom point blank, period. There is freedom outside the church. And let me take that a step further in the context of this conversation. There is freedom in Christ outside the church. And there is freedom to be a Christian outside the church. Now I can already hear all the comments pouring in to our Patreon page about like how you can't be Christian and walk away from the church. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking anything about abandoning church, right? right. And this is this is un, unwinding some of the dogma, right? I'm not saying abandon the church. I'm saying there is freedom outside the church. Yeah, where is where is your identity? What's your identity tied to? Yeah. Is yeah. it in that is it in those four walls? Right. Is it in that community? Maybe. I, I can I can say that for me for a long time. Oh, long time. Up up until my thirties. Let me tell you where it gets even and and you could probably relate to this too. Tie that in with being working for mm-hmm. a church. Yep. Or a nonprofit organ, you know, a Christian organization. That that those threads get even more wound, in my opinion, because then not only as my identity as a believer, but my identity as a person, my identity as a as a as a job. As a paycheck, yeah. yeah. And then for me and in, in the role that I was in, I was the one perpetuating these dogmas to people, right? Mm. I was the one using sermons to create shame around people not sharing their faith more. Mm. I was the person who said, if you're not actively involved in Bible studies, actively involved in evangelistic outreaches, actively involved in serving and volunteering in your church, then you probably have space to grow as a Christian. Like those were my words and sermons that I preached in front of groups of people that I'm appalled at now. Mm. So yeah, so for me, absolutely. Like this isn't, oh, those other people were doing it. This isn't like, oh, I read a book and heard a story about someone doing that. No, this is like, I was the one doing it to other people. Mm. I found a lot of free, like we're, we're, I guess we're kind of skipping over a lot of story, but like, okay, through, so one year into Trump's presidency, we were actually kicked out of ministry. That's its own story, which is a great story. Um, less dramatic than it sounds. Um, so then that sent us into this identity tailspin for all the reasons we just talked about, right? Because now my paycheck was gone, my <laughs> influence was gone, uh, my community was gone, all those things taken away from me that were so important to what it meant to be a, an evangelical Christian. Um, and then, of course, you know, coming into that, we've had just a lot of high profile murders uh, from police officers to black citizens. Um, and then, of course, now more recently, we've had COVID, which has forced a lot of isolation, which has given a ton of people space to think 
and actually say, what do I think about this? And not have to land on an answer in 22 minutes. But now we've actually had like a full year to ruminate on these things. And we're finding some surprising things live inside of us and are coming out of us. And surprising, not in a bad way, in a very freeing, liberating way, in a way that says, oh, now I feel light. Now I feel like I can breathe. Now I feel like I can move and stretch and I can actually feel my own body again. I can reconnect with myself because I'm able to actually pursue truthful answers to these questions that I've had lingering for years in the back of my head. And COVID has given us a pathway to explore those in some uninterrupted spaces. Um, so all of those things put together, um, I, I don't identify as evangelical anymore. Like I'm, I'm out. Like that's not, that's not for me. Um, you know, it's hashtag exvangelical. Um, and I've never heard that. You haven't heard that? Okay. All right. No. Well, yeah. It's all right. Um, so, so that, that's just kind of, so that, that's where I am. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not even going to try to defend that anymore because I can already, I, I can feel all of the old triggers trying to defend like, oh, but I still read my Bible. I still pray. I still go to church. Like still trying to cover right, all my right. bases so I don't get the hate. But like, yeah. No, like I don't need to defend myself. Like, no, the evangelical mm-hmm. church has a whole lot of toxicity and a whole lot of dogma and a whole lot of culture wars, and I just don't want any part of it. Period. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. And and to to the people listening who are super triggered by that, um, let let's have some honest conversations, not defensive conversations, right? Yeah. Some some truth seeking conversations about why 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 does that offend you? What are you afraid of? Is there gatekeeping in that? There is. Like, There's a lot of gatekeeping yeah. in that. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I appreciate that you said like, well, I, I make that statement, but then I have to have all these pre-qualifiers, but I can still do this, 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 and this, right? Like I still check these boxes because I still gotta, I got, I gotta qualify some way. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I still gotta let people know I'm in the club. Right. Because I identify in the Jesus. Like I'm, I identify as a follower of Jesus. I believe Jesus was a real human being who walked the earth full of wisdom and truth and great power. Like I believe in his kingdom that's full of restoration where there's no like sickness or division or illness. Like I, like I love, I'm all in on Jesus Mm -hmm. and maybe I'll be in a different place in two years and that's fine too. I'm not afraid of that place anymore. This is where I am today. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I feel all those like, okay, but I got to like, I got to qualify so they know that I still love Jesus. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, man, what, what me and Jesus have going on, that's for me and Jesus. We've got that. We've got that covered. I don't need someone's approval in, in right. Spokane, Washington about like, what's going on with me and Jesus? Yeah. Just don't burn me at the stake, please. <laughs> or if you do, make sure you ask me if I believe in Jesus first. <laughs> yeah, right. So I can be the martyr. I can check that box oh, too. Oh man, yikes. Too soon, oh, Kramer. Man. Boy. Boy, oh boy. All right. So establish that. All right. And and yeah, I think I jumped us ahead a little bit. So I appreciate you going back and, and maybe winding us back to where we need to be to then set up. So if not found there. Okay, now ex-evangelical. Where do we find freedom then? Um, I think that can. I think I can. Now I gotta like zoom back in just to myself, right? Because I don't know if I can start like putting that on other people. Because part of the process of this journey of truth seeking is that God meets us in mysterious ways, right? God is mm-hmm. a mysterious cosmic God who's deeply rooted in the earth and ancient history and the future. Um, so. 
he's going to show up in all kinds of ways in our lives. So for me, it just so happens in the midst of all of this, like leaving ministry, Trump being president, racial things going on, we moved to a farm, right? So in 2018, we moved to a farm, my family farm. We've told that story a little bit. Um, so now I'm surrounded by trees. I'm not surrounded by people. Um, trees make great listening partners, not great conversation partners, right? Well, I went into isolation way before everyone else did with COVID. So I had a lot of time to start thinking about this stuff. And, and what I, what I came into is this very deep love for agriculture. And, and Mm. what I mean by that is a culture and cultivation, right? Agriculture, very different from agribusiness. Um, which is what most people who call themselves farmers do. They do agribusiness. Um, again, no, no shame on that. We're too heavy on that scale. We got to rebalance, but like there's a place for agribusiness. But I fell in love with agriculture, bringing culture back into ag, right? Um, and, and so I got to a place where I was so fed up with all of the intellectual theology that I had tucked in my brain after so many years of study and leadership and sermons and Bible studies, um, that I, I had, I just like, I paused for maybe 12 months where I was like, I just can't engage any of this right now. Like none of it can't touch it. And then I had this thought out on my tractor one day where I was like, well, I, I, I believe that God exists out here in these trees. I believe that intellectually. And I'm in these trees right now. I wonder if God's actually here. Not in an intellectual sense, but in a very practical, like right now as I'm sitting here on my tractor, can I experience God? Is God actually here in these trees or can I only experience him through my theological intellectual thoughts? Or can I just experience him right here in these trees? And I just let it lie. I didn't seek for an answer in that, right? I just, I put that quest out and then gave it space to explore. And what came out out of months of just kind of being in this very open-ended reflective space um, was like, I yeah, I feel like I found God in the trees, right? So now, like, that's that's the title of the episode. Like, I found God in the trees. What what does that mean? It means that I began to rebuild my knowing of that other world, that world just beyond the veil, the world that's often very close to ours, but the world we can't see, that world where divinity dwells and makes its home and interacts with our world, that world, whatever you call it, universal consciousness, the Christ consciousness, heaven, whatever it is, it's that other world beyond the veil. Began building an awareness of that world through my tangible, material, limited world of the trees on my farm. So I began to pay attention to seasons and rhythms and bugs and birds and cycles of things, things unseen, becoming seen. And I got to this place where I was like, okay, I was taught catechism and systematic theology. I was given just the intellectual download of a millennium about God. What if, and this is kind of the experiment I'm currently in right now. What if I could rebuild What if I just threw all that out? What if I just got rid of systematic theology and catechism? And I said, everything I know about God is going to come to me from the trees. 
what I know of God's character, what I know of God's behavior, what I know of God's activity, what I know of God's will and God's purposes is going to come to me through my trees. If God is alive in these trees, and if God desires to reveal himself, will he do it? And there's been some small ways where I think the answer to that has been yes. Like we talked a little bit in the earlier episodes about the earth, right? Being all supplying. That was one of the first things where I was like, oh, I actually now know something about God's character because of the earth, not because of systematic theology. I look at the earth. I look at the behavior of the earth, very macroscopic, right? Still very intellectual. Looking at it in long history, looking at it in a global perspective, but like I can see that the earth provides. Well, then that teaches me about God's character, that God is a provider. So that's, that's a piece now that I have. And I'm just, I'm just letting it lie. And so I don't know, it might, it might take me another five or 10 years, but I'm just going to let this understanding of God build from the limited material that's around me connected to the earth. You're, you're saying this and as you're, you're talking through all that, I, my mind just, it's funny how that can trigger thoughts and, and events and like you're talking now and, you know, doing my best to be present here, but these words are taking me back to, you know, about 10, 10 or 11 years ago, my, my first traumatic exit from ministry. <laughs> uh, and that's a, that's a whole story in itself, but in the recovery um, and we ended up moving and, you know, got a, got a house that had, uh, we rented a place that had, um, a lot of property on it. And part of the deal of being there was to maintain the property. So it had kind of this big <clears throat> open grassy area and, you know, some uh, olive trees out there. Um, and so part of, part of the deal was that I would go out and I would mow and I would weed eat. And it was just literally hours just walking back and forth mowing the grass and weeding and it's just being outside and being quiet as quiet as you can with a lawnmower and a weed eater but just processing through and walking through and mourning and being angry and crying you know out amongst the weeds and the grass and the birds and the air and the sky. And it was my time and, and to, to cry out to God, to be mad at God, to question. And, you know, I have this really bad habit. And I think a lot of us do of like going back and replaying those conversations. And I should have said this. And then when they said that, I should have said that. And then maybe I wouldn't be here having to mow this freaking two acres of lawn, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it was such, it was so healing. Mm. Even when I ran over the hornet's nest with the lawnmower and had to run and, you know, get stung <laughs> multiple times, but there was even in that, it was just like, Oh, I learned mm. let's stay away from that, that area right now, because there's living things there that don't like it when I do that. <laughs> um, and I just so identify with what you said about, I'm going to put questions out there. And I'm going to wrestle with things out there and I can leave it there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it, 
you know, I, there's parts that I still work, but man, I think about how much I left out in that field mm. and that was okay. Mm-hmm. But I needed that stinking grass and weeds mm-hmm. and trees as my counselor, as my therapist yep. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, so I, I, wow. I, Wow. deeply relate to that. <laughs> and, and Chris, you, I mean, you in a much more eloquent way than I ever could have so perfectly summarized the last three years of my life. Um, cause I can't tell you how many hours I spend sitting on my mower, <laughs> but it's exactly that. Like, oh man. Yeah. Replaying hurtful conversations over and over and over in excruciating detail. Mm-hmm. And there, there were months where I would come in from the tractor, just depressed and angry and I wasn't fun to be around because I was just so deep in my own darkness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, getting out there in the weeds and for silence is a powerful space of healing. You know, one of the, one of the best things is honestly, there was, there was no judgment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's nothing to judge me except myself. And, and, and no, I, and I no forced resolution. Me. Yeah. I yeah, mean, how many, 100%. how many times have we tried to like have a conversation with someone over copy and come up with the solution by the time we have to leave? Right. Yeah. No, like, no, 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 no. Let's just let, let the trees hold the questions mm-hmm. because they can. And That's we'll perfect. just, we'll come back and we'll revisit those trees and we'll revisit those spaces and we'll revisit those weeds and we'll let them hold the questions. And, and maybe and their graces, they'll return something to us from those questions. That might not even be an answer, but it is a, a it is a, a step of freedom. And they're real good at growing back and making you go back out and wrestle with it again <laughs> they, until they you sure get are. it. <laughs> they sure are. And for three or four years, <laughs> yep. I went back and I wrestled with them. Yep. But I I, I got to tell you, it, it that was a tough time, and yeah. and there were. I'm not saying we're ever going to be free of tough times. We mm-hmm. There's different seasons that we go in and out of. But there's part of me that wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And there's part of me that wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's, I mean, yeah, let's, let's shoot for a little more dramatic there. Like there's a part of me that wouldn't wish what I went through on my worst enemy. And there's a part of me that actively wishes it on my own children. <laughs> <laughs> or or my closest loved ones because yeah. because of the transforming power yeah that comes through those moments of liminal space and transition and open exploration yeah such powerful unpredictable genuinely transforming things come from those wilderness spaces and again, we can look back at our, you know, sacred faith texts to find that mm. and back it up. If we want a chapter and verse it, we can, but we yeah. also don't need to because we've experienced it in nature in our own souls. Yeah. We know that there's something true about God that says, if we can get into the wilderness, we will be transformed. And as a person, I cannot tell you how much more authority I can speak with now being on the other side of at least that right mm. now. Then I could just say, well, in theory, you know, if, 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 as long as we just cast all of our cares on God, it should be fine until you've walked through the fire. You're, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Like being on the other side of it, like, oh man, 
I want my kids to do that. <laughs> but it, you have to get kind of go through it, right? Like yeah. I, I've been through it, kids. Yeah. And and I, and it makes, you know, as a parent, you kind of sometimes appreciate it even where like, oh, duck out, my parents were right. Man, I hate to admit that, but boy, yeah, they were right. <laughs> so so I might I might be starting a whole nother episode right now, Chris, but um there I my son is nine years old and I went to high school in Kenya and in the area we lived in, it was common for there to be like rites of passage for, for boys, mm-hmm. um, into manhood. Um, particularly in the Maasai tribe, there's a very strong tradition of these rites of passage. And, you know, again, it, it kind of varies and depends somewhere between eight years old and about 13 years old, these rites happen. So, I'm thinking about, you know, physiological developments in my son, I'm thinking about puberty coming on, thinking about things like that. So I'm thinking like kind of 12 years old is what I'm targeting for some of these rites of passage. And I've been, I've really kind of his whole life, I've been thinking about like, what are the things that I want him to experience in these rites? It's really kind of that, that structured wilderness walk, right? It's his first taste of wilderness in a, in a ritualized way. And so I was talking to Jen about it um, the other day and all of her mom flags are going up. She's like, well, but what if this happens? What if this happens? What if what? And, you know, we're talking about it. And and I was like, well, one of the and, you know, one of the the things we're talking about is like him camping solo, like without any supervision overnight. Mm -hmm. And she's going through all the things that could go wrong. And and then one thing she's like, she's like, well, if he does it during these rites of passage, then maybe he'll think that he can just do it anytime he wants to. Maybe he'll be too independent. Maybe he won't want to listen to us anymore. And my answer was like, well, that's kind of the point. Like, again, empirically, we can look back and we know that teenagers rebel against their parents. Physiologically, we know it's this, it's it's our own selves trying to create distance from the codependent relationships we've had in our parents to actually begin to ask questions about who am I and what do I want? Not what do my parents want, but what do I want? That 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 means that there has to be this kind of forced distance where you can actually ask those questions. And I said, and I want to, I want to, I want to bless and anoint that development in him. Mm. I'm not going to enjoy it. I don't want my son to rebel against me. I don't want him to think I'm, you know, the biggest dummy he's ever met. I don't want him to stop listening to my advice, but I know that that's what his soul needs to become a Mm. self. And I want to set up rituals that give him permission to be a full human. And it's not something I was given. It's not something that our society gives. But it's, it is that wilderness. It is saying, son, I need you to move out from my protection for your own good. And it's going to kill me to do it. Uh, I want to do a whole episode. I just wrote down, I want to do a whole episode on that. I have so many questions. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, and mostly because my sons are right in that age right now. And I've heard of this. And I'll be honest with you. I haven't. Oh, this makes me a bad parent or whatever, but I've not even given a moment's thought about this probably because it doesn't it make never, you a bad parent. It well, it never happened for me. Right. Like yeah. it wasn't something that was ever in my, you know, no judgment. I mean, I don't know that ever happened for my dad. Like, right. Right. Like, is it something that was just, you know, what to do, but I'm like, yeah, how do I, how do I communicate that? 
with my kids. And, and you're saying, you know, well, they're going to rebel against me. And, and I think for me, I think I'm trying to hold on so much to like, it's my little boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose my little boy, mm-hmm. um, but I can't stop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I, how do I set him up for as much success and as much permission to, to be the, the man that he's supposed to be, whether he's an artist, whether he's a, I don't know, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever he wants to be. I say artist because he, he loves art, Yeah, but is that going to be his, his final thing? I don't know, but I want to, I want to encourage that. So we need, we need to make an episode out of that because Let's I think there's a lot of, a lot of folks out there, a lot of parents out there that would probably go, that's weird. Tell me more about that. Cause Let's that's put what I'm on thinking. the list. We're doing it. In that's weird. Two. We're <laughs> doing it. more about that. Chris, my whiskey's empty. Yeah, mine's. Uh, I'm about on my last sip here too. So I'm thinking maybe we should. Uh, Does that mean we're at we time? Just wrap it up here, man. We had, we've got this little little Google document that we have open on the screen next to us, so we can kind of each see the major bullet points. And there's only you know a handful of things written down that we and we just kind of free float between them. But we only got through what, Chris? Half of our list tonight. We barely made it through half the page. Barely. <laughs> Yeah. And let's let's be oh real honest. Gosh. On the first episode we recorded, I think we had like three full pages of notes written. Yeah. Second yeah. time we recorded, we had two pages of one whole page. Now now we're down to like two like, thirds of a page. I mean, it's like yeah. really short, and we still only yeah. made it through half of that. Yeah. Which and it's funny. Your wife Jen says, "Wait, Cabin, how can you just put bullet points in there? Why don't you like lay it out more for Chris?" And I'm like, "No, I think I see where he's going." <laughs> I, I, I think we can fill the time. <laughs> oh, and it's weird because goodness. I'm like, I don't know what time we're trying to fill. I think we've got this own internal clock that we have of yeah. like, well, we should we should probably end here. But there's really no like nobody's saying, all right, you guys need to stop right now. It's other true. Than our own. Yeah. Uh, but I, I feel like this is probably a, a good stopping. And that's our show. If this conversation was meaningful to you like it was to us. Leave a rating and review so that more people just like us can discover this podcast and join the conversation themselves. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you're here and we'd love for you to join the conversation too. But hey, you've heard enough of our voices. For show notes or to connect with this community of seekers, visit us online at ofdustanddivinity.com. Partner with us on Patreon and get access to exclusive content, merch, and hidden perks. Go to patreon.com slash of dust and divinity. Join our Facebook group of dust and divinity podcast community and engage with us on Instagram at of dust underscore and divinity. As you go through your day, remember these words of Rainer Maria Rilke. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given to you, for you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Now.